Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 59th episode of the Truth Island podcast. On our previous episode, I discussed the virtues of being frugal. In some sects of Buddhism, it is believed that a priest should own no more than three robes made out of discarded rags. The first robe was known as the great robe, in which a monk was only permitted to wear to a royal palace or on special occasion. The second robe, known as the outer robe, which was worn when monks performed rituals and attended lectures. And the third robe, known as the inner robe, was the robe that monks wore when working or resting. It was said that three such garments would suffice and that a monk could always rely on one robe at a time if the other two needed washing or mending. While these rules might seem rigid, perhaps there is some important wisdom that can be gained by these men's empty closets. Today, Sam comes to us to share some of his experiences traveling around America with no more than a suitcase worth of clothing and how each and every one of us might be able to learn from him and conjure up this same level of freedom in our own lives. Sam, have you come here to tell us that you are traveling with no more than three outfits today? I am, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about my three robes. <laughs> my pleasure. I love that Buddhist idea. Um, I can learn a lot from it and I'm inspired by it. I am currently uh, in Denver, Colorado. And uh, a week ago, I arrived here uh, I spent the night, I broke up my flight. I was on my way from Atlanta, Georgia to uh, Bismarck, North Dakota for some church business. And I, uh, the night before I uh, was going to board my plane, uh, which was Frontier Airlines, there's only four or five airlines that fly into Bismarck. Uh, I, I, I was checking in online and I realized that if I brought anything bigger than a the size of a laptop case, uh, a laptop bag, or a woman, uh, size of a woman's purse, something bigger than that, I was going to have to pay fifty dollars uh, to do that. And you know, I'm always trying to cut costs, and as I say, work hard, not smart. <laughs> uh, I, I got up in the middle of the night. This is the night before I took off from Atlanta to Denver, the first leg of my journey, and uh, I I had pretty much just a duffel bag of clothes left after a huge purging. Um, I was, you know, forced to get out of my apartment. My roommate was getting married. I got up in the middle of the night and I, I broke my duffel bag down one more time. And I, I officially broke it down to three outfits. What? Uh, oh my I goodness. Did. Now, I did. For those who don't know, Sam was originally living in New York. Uh, he had a, a place there and, you know, obviously he had, clothing, you know, like, like a closet worth of clothing. Tell me about the purging experience. I've got to get into your head. I, I, I would never yeah. have the guts to do this. Tell us about it. Well, it started about six months ago, right around the beginning of COVID. I resigned my job as a pastor, which was a huge deal. I didn't really have money. Um, I didn't really have a plan. COVID struck. I was sheltering in place. Um, I sold my car uh, the day I resigned, which is a huge and radical step in Atlanta. Atlanta is the definition of the unwalkable city. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not no 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 like subways everywhere, right? So that's that's <laughs> we've got we've got Marta, we've got Marta, which is our abbreviated truncated version of MTA. So there's a a red and gold line that goes north south, 
and uh, and then a, a blue slash green line that goes east west. So it's a big plus sign right in the middle of the perimeter of Atlanta. But but most people don't take Marta because it's not practical. It doesn't really get you where you need to go. Yeah. Um, but I, but I relied on it, and I didn't have a car, and I sold my car for twenty five hundred dollars because I was had less than two thousand dollars in my bank account, and I was scared. You know, I got a, uh, some money from President Donald Trump <laughs> that helped a little bit. <laughs> But still, uh, those early months were rough financially, just uh, uh, anxious financially. Um, and so, but the bigger thing that was happening was I was sensing that change was happening in my life. You know, I had resigned my job and I knew change was coming. It's like the way an old person feels a storm coming like in their bones, you know. Um, I knew that change was coming in my life, like I had resigned my job and I was thinking about leaving Atlanta. And so slowly but surely from about March till June, I just kind of sold off a lot of my things, took them, took some things to goodwill, got on Facebook marketplace and Craigslist and just kind of whittled away at my stuff. And, and then I left, I left uh, to New York for three months and I worked and I lived in an apartment in East village for three months and, you know, acquired a few more things there. But as I anticipated going back to Atlanta and the, and the reason was my roommate was getting married and he's like, you and the other guy who was his brother need to get out of, <laughs> need to get out of my house. <laughs> so this is, an, this is actually something I didn't know. So you were actually slowly getting rid of your stuff, even while you were in New York. I, I was, I was, you know, and I didn't, I, I came to New York on a uh, July 17th on a one-way ticket uh, Spirit Airlines. Uh, the ticket was fourteen dollars and eleven cents, right in the middle of COVID. Yeah, it was a, a one-way ticket. I brought a backpack with, you know, uh, a pair of jeans, uh, a pair of shorts uh, for for running, and um, three shirts. Black Lives Matter shirt that I had bought during the protests, and um, a God is dope shirt. You know, because I'm a Christian and that's what we do. And it's <laughs> it's actually an Atlanta-owned, uh, black-owned brand from Atlanta. It's kind of cool. And then I had um, one other shirt. And I, I just basically rotated those three shirts for two or three months. So I kind of was already operating out of the three out the three robes philosophy. We're not even knowing about that. Yeah, no, I mean, this is this is in, in, incredible. And believe me, I've, I've flown Spirit as well. It's pretty rough on those flights, right? The, the seat yeah. doesn't even go back or anything no. like that. And they, they make you shove your book bag into that little square box like there. You're not in, you're not getting an inch over them. <laughs> no, um, no. So it, it, it's really interesting because we all kind of complain about these things like, oh, my God, Spirit, or I have to just bring a book bag worth of clothing. But, you know, when you when we think of our ancestors that came over, you know, through the Mayflower or through all these like ships and these long, like, you know, two month long, like cross Atlantic journey. Is it really that bad to be on spirit for three hours and not be able to recline your seat a little bit, you know, like, like given, given like the, the story of like human travel, it's an inconvenience and it's probably nicer to be on Delta or American, but at the same time, it's like for 14 bucks, you know, you'll deal with it. Right. Yeah. I'll take a spirit. I'll take a spirit airlines aircraft any day over a Mayflower or a Viking ship or <laughs> anything like that. So yeah, it, it was good. And, and, and it's uh, thinking about our ancestors is good. I think they, uh, I mean, we don't want to speak about them uniformly because I'm sure, you know, one was different than the other, but basically, you know, they probably were able to hold things loosely and they had to, you know, they, they were leaving the old world and, and never to return.
And, and the night, and just to bring it all back to speed, I, um, people were moved with pity for me in New York because they realized after a while, Hey bro, you're wearing the same shirt every three days, you know? And so people gave me clothes at work, which was really cool. I mean, it was almost like a, like a drive, like collect clothes for Sam drive, you know? <laughs> and, uh, that was that was great, and I, when I when I got back to New York, I was really inspired uh, even more. Even though people had been generous with me, maybe because they had been generous with me, to um, to just live as minimally as possible. Wow. Um, and so, you know, after I was back in Atlanta for a week or two and broke everything down, I I, I love my my books. I've worked hard to build kind of a, a books collection, um, you know, a combination of things, uh, genres, and I'm proud of my little collection. It's not big, um, but those are, that's, I saved three boxes of books and a duffel bag. And um, the night before I boarded my next plane out West, oh, you know, this is after my New York adventure, I realized that um, I was going to have to go even further. So I woke up in the middle of the night, the night before I left, and I sorted, uh, you know, things into a trash bag and, uh, and then into a goodwill bag. And um, it left me with, uh, I'm back to the three robes. Um, so uh, thank you all the New Yorker people that gave me clothes and were moved with pity for me, but I'm back down to three robes. And I got to, um, I got to Denver and I, I, I didn't want to bring anything more than a parcel because I didn't want to be charged 50 bucks by Frontier Airlines. And so I brought a suit because I needed a suit for Sunday, for the church day, for the, for, I was helping with an ordination service and preaching a sermon in the morning at a Presbyterian church. And, and that would be like your royal robe. Like with the, with the monks, they had like one really royal outfit that they wear yeah. in the palaces. So you have like that suit, which is like your royal suit almost. It, 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 exactly. So that would be technically one of my, I would say one of my three robes or three outfits, you know? And so I, I carried it in a paper bag, um, just a plain paper bag. And I had stuffed in there my, you know, uh, my, my suit. It's just an ordinary suit um, as far as, you know, no, no insignia or it's not church robes. But um, I, I stuffed it all in there in a paper bag. And I had a toothbrush. I didn't even bring toothpaste. And um, my my mouth guard because I have because I uh, grind my teeth at night. I wear one of those so, too, by the way. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. We must have the same the same anxiety running through yeah, us. Yeah, right. Us, us philosopher thinkers have all yeah, this. Inspired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I stuffed all that in a bag and a journal because I keep a journal. Yeah. And as soon as I got off the train in Denver, got off the airplane, got on the train. It's about a twenty five mile trip to, to the city. I got off at Union Station. I was going to meet my friend there and stay at his house. And the bag had just gotten, you know how paper bags get kind of soft? Yeah, like when, it's, gets, when, it, when it's wet, yes. Wet, well, not just when it's wet, but when it's kind of worked, like it's ah. been like folded and refolded and like yeah. kind of crumpled and, and held, you know, only over a day or so. And so I'm, I got off the train and I walked about 20 feet and I'm, I tripped. I tripped on a step right outside of Union Station in Denver. And the bag kind of swung and because of the kind of the softness and the, um, it had become kind of fragile, the bag just ripped wide open and my suit just, it was strewn all over the sidewalk. In front oh my of goodness. Station. And I thought there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better <laughs> way. 
<laughs> and it's at it's at moments like that that I feel I'm proud of myself for working my wardrobe down to the three Buddhist robes. But at the same time, when something like that happens, or I've had trouble finding a place to stay last minute, um, it's at moments like that that I regret or I, I doubt myself. I'm like, I'm thinking about all the people who are working smart, not hard right now, who actually have an apartment and who have a wardrobe and things and furniture and a car. And it's at moments like that where you feel just more, where I feel more vulnerable. Yes. And, and I, I'm, I really thank you for sharing that because with the three robe system, there, are, there is some beauty to it, but there is also a dark side as well. Like there, there are, is. you know, there are, there are things like it's not just fun and games because you know, you're really, you're, you're really carrying your life possessions with you. And if something yeah. happens to that duffel bag or whatever, um, then you're at, you know, the, the, basically the clothes off your back, so to speak. And, and, and that, that, that's, that's, that's hard. And that's like an unsettling thought. I'm wondering, like, if you did lose two of your outfits, do you think that there would be a Salvation Army or someplace where you'd be able to replenish the other two or, or three garments? Totally. I, I do. I'm not worried about that. And, you know, you've got to kind of keep yourself a little clean, especially if you only have right now, I just have my suit from the ordination service. And then I have this red shirt that you see me wearing and, and, you know, the, basically the clothes on my back. Um, yes. And so uh, I've got to stay a little clean. You know, I can't, I'm not going to go run across Denver right now and work up a sweat and you know um I, I don't know it um I can always um people are always wanting to give me more stuff and I have to kind of resist them a little bit and say um I don't trust myself with material things and neither should you wow. um you know and um my my friends in in North Dakota were just moved with honestly i mean they probably felt bad they're like what's wrong with this guy <laughs> you no, know no no this this is something that i actually talked uh with, with christopher on on frugality and that he walks by and sometimes he'll see flat screen televisions that people just throw out and they'll even yeah. put like, notes on it and it says you know works fine or whatever there's something actually empowering by by being like no I don't want it, or I don't need it, or I don't trust myself. Like there's actually something very, very, very liberating and empowering when you can kind of operate with less and not more in a way. Yeah. I think my mom, I feel bad for my mom growing up because I think that uh, she want, wanted to give me things, you know, at Christmas um, shirts or books or you know, she wasn't really into electronics, but you know, anything that she wanted to give me, I held so loosely from such an early age. And I don't know where I, I developed this, I'm going to call it kind of a mendicant friar mindset. So in the middle ages, the mendicant friars were brothers in a monastery that were, that just made their living from what people gave them, you know, um, I don't know where I developed that. Um, but I feel bad because I think I, I never really held on to things. I, uh, this is going to make me sound like a total j jerk or whatever, but I regifted a lot of the things that people gave me growing up because it was mm. like, I just don't want this. I don't want to acquire possessions. It's not my, my goal. And the less I have, the freer I feel 
I know that at some point I'm going to have to bite the bullet, you know, if I want to get married and have a family, you know, I'm going to have to buy a minivan and I'm going to have to have a house and a garage full of stuff. I know that, but, but maybe that doesn't have to happen. I guess I'm just kind of waiting for that and, and dreading that in some ways. Um, and I don't know how to really process that <laughs> you know it's tough and I'm, I'm telling you right now like if you get a, a girlfriend or a wife she's gonna yeah. want you to have new things like just just a few weeks ago my girlfriend just threw away our pillows and bought new pillows i was like no 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 it's perfectly fine and she's like it's stained it's dirty you need new pillow i'm like ah so believe me when, once you get married the whole three robes the, the three robes are going to turn into 50 robes at that point. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at that point but you know what i think it is sam and again this is just you know i, I you know i can't get into your head but my conjecture on this is that as we are more spiritually aligned or more you know in touch with our soul we kind of rely less on the corporeal like we we, we rely yeah. less on the body and yeah. i i think that this is this is something that has was once you know in vogue in spirituality is this idea of like living off the soul and not so much living off the body but i think that that has kind of faded away you know i think even buddhist monks today don't just follow the three robe i think they've actually discarded that system and you know with good reason like the industrial age allowed us to produce all of these clothings really really yeah. cheaply like right and and you can go to target mm -hmm. and get like a bunch of t-shirts for probably i've actually bought t-shirts before like my star wars little t-shirts six yeah. bucks a pop or whatever yeah so yeah i think a lot of this has to do and, and with technology and just being able to mass produce all of this stuff which has given the average person more clothing that they can possibly handle you know i yeah. even think of like early professors like you know that image of the professor with the patch or something like on their yeah, on their yeah, on their yeah, jacket yeah the reason they would have a patch is because professors were so poor at that point that yeah. if their one you know suit got torn they have to put a patch on it and most yeah. people had patches on their clothing because they could not afford to just buy a, a whole nother wardrobe yeah but at the same time this comes at a cost because it gives us this high level of anxiety of like oh my god what if there was a fire what if i lost all of this stuff what would i do what would i yeah. do what would i do yeah and now those patches on those professors uh tweed jackets are trendy uh, <laughs> so way to go professors yeah and i think i was thinking about that too i have a little bit of uh worst case scenario thinking uh, that's kind of a Midwestern way of thinking in some ways. It's like, you don't know if your crops are going to die and so, or what's going to happen to you, you know, the markets um, and we can't count on the weather or something like that. And so, you know, we just plan for the worst a lot of the times um, in our, in our minds. And I think I have that. And I think like the, the fewer things that I have, the fewer things can go wrong. You know, it's so nice to, yeah, it's so nice to not worry. It's so nice yes. to not worry, worry about my car. Um, I don't have a car. I mean, now, does that come with a cost? Do I have to walk more, even in a city like Denver? Mm. Um, do I have to take the bus more and the train more? Yeah. Am I limited where I can go? Yes. But I don't have to worry about, you know, dropping a surprise $1,200 on 
you know, a transmission or whatever. I don't even know anymore because I'm so out of it with cars. But even with with electronics, like I don't have to worry about things breaking. And so again, is there a cost in not having a TV? Is there a cost in not having an iPad or a laptop? None of which I have. Yes, there is. You know, it'd be easier to do the Zoom call if I had a laptop. <laughs> you know, but 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 it's but it's also a load off of my mind my mind to not have to worry about things breaking or things not working. I think you touched upon something really valuable here, Sam, and that is our fear of loss. I think a lot of our anxiety comes from this fear of loss. Like, oh my God, uh, if I lost this, if my car broke down, what would I do? What would I do? What would I do? But I think even, even, even if let's say you do get married and then you go to have, you, you go on to own a home and do a whole bunch of other stuff. I think that this is a good mental reference point for you in your head, because when you own a home one day or, or you do any of these things, you can always think back, Hey, there was a time in my life where I had three robes and I made it work. And I think that that's a good, and people, you know, you know, if you talk, to people unfortunately so many of these people have already passed away but if you talk to people who lived through the great you know the great depression they have that mental calibration in their head so like yeah. they, they 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 you know i think of my grandma who you know could li- exist in a one bedroom apartment and not have cable and not have this and that but yeah. because her frame of reference is like so like depleted like when she was like living in in nazi occupied belgium you know she was eating moldy stale bread because she has this very um, diminished frame of reference it then allows her to kind of appreciate the things that she has and maybe even say to some degree i mean no one wants to get robbed or anything but there's also this idea of like i've been here before i've been in this situation here before and it's going to be okay yeah, that's good. That's uh, I like that. It's a great way of looking at it. And uh, I hope that I can recall certain times of my life, like right now, um, and, and draw kind of, kind of uh, inspiration and instruction at all times, you know, and I, it's interesting bringing up the depression because I, I, I've, one, I've, I've tried to figure out where this comes from for me, where this burning desire to live so minimalistically comes from. And I don't fully know. I know that I was um, maybe, I don't want to say OCD, but a little, a little OCD growing up about like our home, you know, and there was like clutter everywhere and that bugged me. And I was just like, let's, why do we have to have, why do we even have to have this stuff? If we didn't even have the stuff, we wouldn't have the clutter. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and I think my, um, so my, my family and my, my parents and, you know, my home probably fed into that. But I think I was thinking about my grandmother, who was sort of like a second mother to me. She grew up um, on the same property as us in rural Iowa, or I grew up with her, sorry. Um, and she was born in 1919, you know, so she came of age wow. during the war, between the wars, you know, yeah. between the two wars. And then she got married in the middle of the Great Depression. She, she was 18 years old and she had her first child you know, in 1939, the, you know, still in the depression for us, the first year of the, the war in, in Europe. And, um, you know, she was, uh, and, and she was the daughter of a German immigrant. And I think uh, she uh, was, she came up real hard scrabble. And I think that her influence influenced me. I think that I, I I've had to think, you know, in more um, frugal ways, my whole life, you know, I I, did, I grew up kind of poor as well, and 
so I think my parents had influence there, but I think my grandma did too. And I think the Great Depression, um, I'm sort of a grandchild of the Great Depression. And, and I'm, I'm glad for those traits because they're not really common in our, in our world. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you asked me about um, the role that like, how the pressures that we face to be materialistic. I think, yes. I think Instagram is a, is a great, uh, I talked about this in another podcast, how Instagram can incite discontentment in ways that you don't even, that you don't anticipate or realize that you are possible. And I think that can happen. Instagram can incite discontentment with where you're at in life, like your station in life, your, your job and your calling and your career. But I think that Instagram can, and Instagram, I don't want to single them out, throw them under the bus, but just to use them as an example, I think they can incite discontentment in a material way as well. And I think my, um, my upbringing has kind of helped prepare me to fend off kind of the seductions of Instagram and other things like that. So I want to be kind of an old soul in this respect. Um, I don't, I can be like my forebears, like the immigrants that came before me, and I can be like my grandma but it does take discipline and it really takes intentionality. Yes. Yes. And I, I think I love, I love what you're saying here. And I think also television does a huge role in this and television hits us in a number of ways because you've got the overt commercials, but then you also have like most television shows, Sam deal with like rich people or, or upper middle class, like most, like the, if you look at most sitcoms or just shows, everyone's pretty well to do, you know, like they, they they may, they may come off as middle-class, but you're like, what that that guy is, a you know, is a whatever, but he's, you know, like, even like, I think of that show, um, the Brady bunch, right. It's like the guy was like an architect, but he had a beautiful home and all this other stuff. So you're constantly being inundated with this, this, these images of abundance. And I think that that kind of plants insecurity into our souls or insecurity into our happiness and into our state of being. And maybe this generation has gotten away from the television and now they are living off Instagram, but that, that is basically serving the same function of like, um, you know, I, and I think of this, I think of all of these guys who are, you know, posing in front of their Lamborghinis and putting that on their dating profile or putting that on Instagram. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's really, it's, 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 you're sending out, you're not meaning to be negative. Like what you're doing, you think you're doing something positive, but what you're actually doing is you're probably satisfying your own insecurity, but then you're also sending insecurity out into the universe. Yeah. It's funny when I was living, I lived in New York for three months, as you know, Aaron, and I hope to be back after my adventures in the interior of America. Um, but when I was, I was living in the East village and I found an apartment on Craigslist, you know, I paid $1,100 a month for an apartment, which was staggering to me. That, that um, is, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and it was small, it was, it was tiny, but I'm glad I did it. I, it was a good experience for me as my first time really, well, it was, it was just great living in the city. And even though COVID was going on and, and, and stuff like that, but you know, it's funny to think about like Carrie Bradshaw, she, the girl from sex in the city. And she's, you know, she's like a freelance writer and she has this amazing apartment in the upper East side or upper West side. And, and, and the girl from friends lives in Greenwich village. And it's just like how, and, and they make it look like effortless and painless to be able to afford something like that. And I think, um, you know, just to use that apartment uh, as an example of uh, the way that pop culture, whether it's TV shows or, or Instagram, 
projects uh, a certain kind of life to aspire to. And mm. we all, I mean, I even, I met a girl while I was in New York uh, in the short time I was there. who was like, yeah, I want to be like Carrie Bradshaw. She had like a bunch of shoes and her apartment was kind of like cool like that. And, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm just a modern day Carrie Bradshaw. Is that the girl's name? I don't even know. Yeah. But, I, um, I'm so disconnected from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but you're asking like, the wrong guy, Sam. <laughs> I, I was like, this girl, this girl is just like everybody else. She wants, she's, she just said it out loud. She wants to live the dream, you know? Um, and there is a, a kind of a millennial dream that we want to live. And, you know, it's, there's different forms of it, you know, maybe you are, you've you've got like a van and you're able to drive around the country and you can camp where you want to go and or you're you have a really cool apartment i'm staying in a really cool apartment here in uptown denver it's super trendy mm. you know have have a have a dog or um but it all every form of that dream involves the acquisition of things um and um i'm not rejecting that necessarily but i'm just trying to find my own sweet spot and i i genuinely feel more relieved more happy more clean cut in terms of like life itself when i have fewer things and i can't completely explain it it's just um it's just the way it is for me no and you know what and i think it's also important to, um like i and i i was saying this before is that it's it's important for people to respect each other's lifestyle. So yeah. when you go to that rich girl's house in Greenwich Village, you shouldn't be like, you don't need all these shoes. Like you don't need that fancy. You don't you don't want to be that annoying guy who's yeah. like, you don't need all this. I live in I I live out of a suitcase. No. You don't want to be that annoying person because no. for all you know, they're very happy with their fifty high heels or whatever it is that they're exactly. they're, they're, they're collecting. Um, and it's really a choice for them to make. But conversely, they also have to be respectful of you, Sam. I, I feel like yeah. they oh, they can't go and be like, oh, you poor thing, or why don't you, you know, buckle down here and work some overtime or whatever. Like they have to also be understanding that, like, hey, this person is perfectly happy having less. Let me not project my own insecurities on, onto someone else. And and what I think happens is that sometimes and and i hate to say this but sometimes friends spend more money than they should on something and they actually feel a bit insecure about it and then the way that they compensate for that insecurity is they go up to other people and say look what i have or why don't you have this or i just got this Like, like there's a lot of i just got this thing and what they're trying to do is i think that they know that that purchase may or may not have been the right thing, but they're seeking validation from the world to tell them like, oh, whoa, that's totally worth it. Or yeah, you totally made the right thing. And I think we have to start becoming a lot more mindful when we see that going on in this world, Sam. Yeah. Great, great examples, man. I'm always impressed to your ability to synthesize points and information on this podcast. And I'm not just saying that silly. I'll have you back. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean that genuinely. <laughs> You know, you gave the example yesterday with Christopher of going to um, to buy the Tesla, you know, and getting yeah. there and, and realizing you're not ready to close the deal. And then the, the feeling of kind of uh, jubilation when you drive away and you're like, I'm fine with this car that I have, even though <laughs> it's not a Tesla. <laughs> um, and uh, I feel that, too. And I think uh, 10 years ago, I'm glad you didn't meet me 10 years ago. And I'll probably be an even better person and 
a cooler person and more loyal person in 10 years from now. I hope. You can't imagine be. that, my friend. Like, you seem pretty yeah. perfect right now. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's very nice of you. But 10 years, I mean, that's really kind of you because, you know, it feels like there's always more to learn, you know, and 10 years ago, 12 years ago, high school, college, you know, even in my 20s, I would have been a lot more judgmental of people. Like, I remember telling somebody like, they asked me if this was an okay purchase. I don't even know if they asked me. I think it was just unsolicited. <laughs> and I was like, I, they were a Christian person. And I, I was like, oh, you know, that's the Lord's money. Is that how you're going to use the Lord's money? You know, wow. because like the Christian perspective is like all that we have is it really belongs to God in, in the first place, you know, and that's why we can give freely and be generous. And, but like, that was manipulative of me to say that, you know, it was, I mean, it was truth theologically, like, yeah, I mean, if God is the Lord of heaven and earth, then he owns everything, right? Um, and so, but it was the way I said it. And I think I've had to unlearn some of that and hold my opinions loosely. I think I was really judgmental towards my mom growing up because I felt like my mom was kind of cluttery and like wasn't good at like she didn't have the same I didn't think the same level of frugality that like my, my grandma did and so I looked up to my grandma more than my mom and I I was I think kind of you know judgmental of her and I regret that and and um you know there is as you said a dark side to this as well because I've had moments I mean when I went to uh, North Dakota a year and a half ago when my friend first moved there I was thinking about moving there I led him on a trip and I was like, oh yeah, I know somebody in Fargo because we were driving from Minneapolis to Bismarck through Fargo on Interstate 94. I was like, oh, we know somebody, I know somebody in Fargo will be okay. And I thought I had an Airbnb. And then I was like, oh, I need to get an Airbnb, but that fell through. And then it's like 10 o'clock at night and we don't have any place to stay because I was A, either overconfident or B, I was living in a minimal way, but hadn't kind of planned for it. And so here, me and my friend, and now he's affected too, are stranded. I mean, we found a place to stay eventually, but there's, there's moments where of, of fear, it's like, am I going to be completely homeless tonight? Am I going to be safe? There's also the feeling of like, I don't want to impose on anyone. You know, I'm yes. sitting with a friend in Denver right now, and he's being very generous with me. He's got a really nice pullout couch. And, you know, I'm allowed to sort of just like make myself at home in his apartment and it's very comfortable and nice, but I don't want to just, uh, you know, people have their own apartments for a reason so that they can be alone. And here, here I am kind of in his space. And I mean, he's very generous and kind. He would never say anything, but I, um, that comes from my upbringing as well. My grandma and my dad were very rigorous about not being an imposition to people if you stay in people's homes mm. you know you mm. leave no trace lnt you know um <laughs> my my when i was in eighth grade my dad left me in the charge of my uncle and his his family my dad's brother and he, he as he pulled out he wasn't like hey son i love you he's like he pulled up rolled down the window as he was pulling out he goes don't be ingratiating. <laughs> so like my, my dad and my grandma like forced this idea on me that like, it's a sin, you know, almost a sin to be, uh, to be an imposition to someone. Um, and so be a good guest. You know, my dad is like, that's like at the heart of my dad's worldview is like, be a good guest. And it's a, it's a good lesson. Right. right. But it's, it makes it stressful. Cause then I'm like, do I pay, like give someone an honorarium for staying in their house for five days? Like, okay, 
$10 a day times five, but let me take off five because I'm kind of poor. So 40, you know, it's like, how do I figure out, do I Venmo them some money? Do I just stay for free or pick up some tabs at, you know, a restaurant? Um, what do I do? How do I show my good, sort of my good faith in this situation and not be a burden? That's, that was big for my dad. Don't be a burden to people. Yes. You know? And so how do you balance that? And I, I fear being in a position sometimes. I appreciate you bringing these up because, you know, you're, you're actually touching upon some of the, the nuances here of, of living a minimalistic lifestyle is that yeah. sometimes, and it's the same thing with these Buddhist monks is that they actually have to carry um, begging bowls with them. Wherever they go, yeah. they yeah. have to just eat whatever is provided. So like they, they will come down and like whatever food is put in their bowl, they can't be like, no, this is stale or I'm, I'm feeling like fish today. They, they, they have to, they kind of have to just eat with whatever is given to yeah. them. And I always find it like this is that when, when you're kind of asking of others, one never ending gratitude, that's, that's an absolute yeah. must a thousand, yeah. you know, there's never, there's no such thing as too many thank yous and this no, kind of thing, even no. if it's to the point of annoying, like always say thank you. Um, I, I remember a, a, a very good friend of mine was was nice enough. He actually invited me to to stay with him in France. You know, so I stayed like a, two weeks with him in his you know in yeah. his apartment, and he did invite me. But I was like, let me let me buy the groceries or let me um, take you out to dinner or whatever it is. And like, yeah, I was coming from a place where I had enough money that I I could be that sort of help or to be that kind of assistance. But it could be something as simple as like, hey man. I just decided to clean your kitchen today or, Hey, I just decided to like throw out the garbage or I'd put the dishes away. Or I I noticed that that little thing was, was broken and just leaving some kind of shine or or something nice behind. And it could be a monetary thing. Like, Hey, I decided to fill the fridge with groceries, even though you didn't say anything, or it could be, I decided to tidy up. I decided to do your laundry, whatever it is that you can do. And then just knowing at some point, okay, it's been five days. It's been whatever. It's kind of time to move on. I gotta, totally, I gotta, I gotta, totally. I gotta, I gotta get on Craigslist. I gotta get, I gotta contact the church, or I gotta get yes, back on yes. my feet and figure out some way of where my next destination is. And I think if you live by that, you know, by that creed, and you follow those rules, I think, I think you won't be seen as like an imposition or or, or this like burden in the house. Yeah. I think you'll be seen as this like wonderful ghost, kind of just passing on through and and bringing yeah. play and 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 wonder for five days. Because yeah. like, yeah. you know, I, I think I think that like if somebody stays in your home for five days and they brought nothing but great conversation, laughter, and love yes. for those yes. five days then that person will actually miss you. And they'll be like, when are you yeah. coming back? And yeah. like, man, I really yeah. missed having Sam. And that's totally different than staying somewhere for like two months and being like, hey, you know, we're out of coffee. Would you mind picking up some more? You know, like there's a total, there's a, there's a, there's a radical difference between those things. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. You know, when I first, um, so when I came to New York on, in July, July 17th, uh, it was a Friday and I, I meant to visit just for two or three weeks. I bought a one-way ticket because I wasn't sure how long I would need to, to really see the city and people that I love. I got there on that one-way ticket. I had that backpack with the three shirts and the shorts and the jeans. And um, I uh, ended up staying for three months, almost exactly three months. And um, the first 20 day, 21 days, basically, let's just say first three weeks, I stayed in seven different places in four different boroughs. Wow. 
Wow. And um, it was crazy. You know, I got to see the city. It was stressful though. Like one night I got back from Rockaway beach. I was staying with a friend in South slope, Brooklyn. And I got back from, we had spent the whole day at Rockaway beach. I got back to his place. He, he went off with his girlfriend somewhere. So I was back at the apartment by myself. I gathered my things, took a shower, tried to feed myself really quickly. And then I took the train all the way up to Harlem. And this was like at 11 o'clock at night. And I, cause I had sort of determined, like I had stayed enough days at that house in, in Park Slope. And um, it was like five days, you know, I didn't want to wear out my welcome. And then I got to Harlem and I slept in them. And then I got to Harlem and I realized like I was staying with my friend, but he didn't really have space. He was just being nice. And I, I felt bad. I was like, I'm right in the middle of their living room. Like one of the roommates loves to play video games right there on the couch. And I'm kind of cramping his style. And it's, um, you know, everybody has to kind of tiptoe around me. They feel uh, because, you know, if they want to get up in the middle of the night and grab a glass of water or something from the kitchen, they have to pass right by my, where I'm sleeping. And I just mm. felt, I felt bad. I mean, I think New York kind of forced me to think through this issue in a way more rigorously because there's not a lot of, it's not like these are all houses in the suburbs where you have like a guest room or like a yeah, right, a house. Yeah. it's like unused. It's like everybody's on top of each other already. And then you're staying here too. Um, so that for, I think the unique environment of New York and how small the apartments were forced me to get on Craigslist more quickly and find that apartment in the East Village. But just recently I went back and I went through the list of people and I haven't been able to, to give money to everybody, but, you know, I really believe in, um, in the love languages. I like what you said, like acts of service or like a thank you note or, um, you know, even just positive vibes, just bringing good, good vibes into the home, but also money. I think money is, is great. And like, I'm not, I don't have a ton of money right now, but I have a little bit. I made some money in New York. Thank you, city of New York for your, <laughs> for your high taxes and high rent, but also for the little bit of money that you allowed me to make during COVID. You're welcome, Sam. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Mayor, thank you, Mayor de Blasio and uh, Governor Cuomo um, for your hot dogs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so I have a little bit of money. So I just went back through and I was like, who uniquely enabled me to stay? I could not have done what I did if, you know, Justin and Karen Weber hadn't let me stay on their couch for four or five days in South Slope when I first got there. And I couldn't have, um, I couldn't have done it without this person who gave me some clothing from the restaurant. And I couldn't have done it without my roommate back in Atlanta who let me keep my stuff there for a month or two, you know, September kind of timeframe, August, or August, September. And so I just went back and I was like, I tried to kind of tally up like what that meant to me financially. And I was able, and not in every case, but in some cases, to just drop like 25 or 50, or in one case, more than $50 to, on Venmo and just say, you know, thank you so much. And people got, and I, you can't just go around just like giving money to everybody. But, yeah, um, yeah. but I, I think people were kind of surprised by it. You know, Justin and, and Karen were like, you really didn't have to do that. Um, but thank you you know, thank you for, for that. Like, it's, it's not like it's going to like pay their rent for a month. It's 50 bucks, Yeah. but like, I could not have had my New York experience without you and just recognizing that and trying to 
I think you said it well, just trying to find ways of whether it's filling the fridge with food or whatever, just trying to find ways of showing your appreciation is important. Absolutely. And I think, I think what allows all of this to happen, Sam, is your extreme level of mindfulness. Like, hey, you know, this guy over here is playing video games and I'm sort of in his way. And yeah. I think that's the most important quality. I don't even know how one begins to teach that. Like, you know, I, I think this is like a, a quality. And, and I think we could even save this for another podcast of like how yeah. we teach this mindfulness of like, how do I envision the discomfort that I'm causing somebody else? And I think a yeah. lot of people have forgotten about how to, to, to enter that state of mindfulness. And I, I think yeah. that's important. Um, one, one last thing I want to touch upon since, you know, yeah. you are continuing with the three wardrobes and this is something I'm just scratching my head is we are in the fall right now and we will be transitioning into winter. So I'm wondering how you're juggling, um, the, you know, the, the, the warm clothes, the cold clothes, the shorts, like, are you going to just yeah. get rid of the shorts and then trade those in for jeans? And then when it gets warmer, like, I'm wondering how you, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I got back to Denver last night and there were six inches of snow in, in, in Bismarck and, and, or in North and South Dakota when I was there. So I had to borrow boots. And, um, at one point we went sledding on the back of snowmobiles. Oh my goodness. Um, this is pretty country up there. Um, but I had to borrow car, a Carhartt, like coveralls and boots and, um, you know, like a hunting hat and gloves. And I had to borrow stuff from people. And that's another area where it's like, Ah, you know, you want to, you don't want to assume that you can yeah. borrow. Um, you don't want to impose, I guess, goes back to that whole, you know, Bell's, that's my last name, Bell's family tradition. Don't impose, <laughs> um, <laughs> but don't be a burden. But at the same time, like they had extra stuff, you know, and I kind of assume that people have extra stuff and I'm going to borrow. And I got back to Denver last night. And my friend was like, Hey, did you buy some more clothes in, in North Dakota? I was like, no, he's like, you know, it's going to be cold here. It's been really cold here this last week in Denver. And, you know, we were out this morning getting coffee and um, it actually wasn't that cold. I've got a, a like a pea coat that I've been wearing. I don't have really any warm clothes. I mean, I'm, I have these, this one pair of kind of dress boots that I'm, that I wore for my, my church uh, business this past weekend. The socks that I'm wearing are not warm really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and we're going to go out tonight and get ramen and we'll probably sit outside um, you know, and hopefully there's heat lamps. I don't know. There's going to be some survival. You know, I was cold walking from Union Station to Uptown Denver last night. Um, but I kept moving, you know, and um, if I really get desperate, I'll either borrow what I need from a friend or um, just buy some extra socks or, or whatever. Because um, I actually just have one pair of socks right now. Wow. Um, wow. And so uh, I'm not going to talk about my underwear situation <laughs> a, little, a little much for this podcast, but, um, but no, I, I think what you said too is good. Like I'll have to swap some things out. Um, you know, I just got rid of my, sh my last pair of shorts. Mm. I donated it to Goodwill. And then when it gets to be warm again and wherever I am in the spring, um, I'll have to acquire some shorts somehow. Now, you know, all, all yeah. of this, all of this is obviously, you know, and I can hear it. It's a bit, you know, anxiety inducing. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and, but at the same time, it's like, in, in, if you're following like Buddhist philosophy, 
you're really, really, really in the present. Like it, like this, this kind of state yeah. of mind is really because <laughs> you're not thinking about any other season than the no. exact set of no. garments that you're going to need for December or or for November or so forth. And again, it, there there isn't like I'm not trying to make this seem like it's a rosy lifestyle because no. you do have that anxiety of like, oh my goodness, there might be six inches of snow and I might need to get boots or something like that. But then on the flip side of that, it's really like tossing you into the present moment. You have no choice but to grapple with the present. And, and there is beauty in that. So it, there is like there's two signs. There, there's two sides to this coin in many respects. Yeah, I didn't I never thought about it that way. But you're right. It, I, I aspire to be someone who is is present, you know, with the people that I'm with, but also just with the world and kind of one with the world around me. And I, I never thought about it. But you're right. This kind of minimalist um, lifestyle, living out of a suitcase lifestyle is um, really forces you to think about what you need in the moment. You know, when I was in North Dakota, one of the guys that came up from Atlanta uh, to help with the ordination commission, which is a church word, church idea. Um, he was an elder. He forgot his, his, um, his dop kit, you know, his like toiletries. Yeah. And um, so he went to the, the local store uh iga and in, in lemon south dakota the grocery store and and bought a 12 pack of disposable razors you know and um i didn't have a razor i don't shave every day i'm just not built that way um but uh he's i said hey can i have one of the can i can i buy can i buy one of those i always offer like can i buy i don't want to assume yeah know, right. can i can i have one of those razors and so it was a 12 pack and all he needed was one and so he used his one and then he gave me the other 11 uh, disposable razors, you know, and um, I took one and then left the other um, 10, you know, the other, yeah. the other 10 there. And I guess I could have brought them with me. It's like, oh, oh, shoot, like jackpot. I got, you know, 10 razors. I, that's something I can cross off the list for the next two months, you know, yeah, probably yeah. or something like that. But I, I just left them in the, in the cupboard, in the cabinet, in um, my friend's bathroom in, in, in North Dakota, because it was like, I have this rule, these rules that I'm trying to follow of like, it's not a religion. It's not a religion. It's just like discipline rules, you know, like I am not, I, I could bring these 10 razors and be good financially on razors for two months, or I could just bring one and then kind of cast the dice uh, uh, for the next season. And hopefully another razor will come. And if it doesn't, then I guess I'll just have to buy one. Um, but it's just kind of like, constant like risk analysis that you have to do but that's a that's like an empowering move right there to leave and that's a beautiful story by the way because thank you that's the you know that's a very empowering move where it's like i could take the security of these 10 razors right like yeah. i could bring these 10 shaving and those mock three razors are expensive by the way they're they're, they're like yeah. 30 bucks a, a yeah. package or something really expensive right and it, it's almost as if like in one way, if you had taken those 10 razors with you, right? And you would have been like, okay, this is gonna ease my anxiety. But then in a way you're opening the door to worry about something else. Cause now you've taken the 10 razors, but then your mind is going to turn, oh shoot, I need more socks now. Or, oh shoot, I need this. But when you leave the 10 razors behind, 
then yeah. you're like, I don't need those razors. And then your mind doesn't fall into the trap of thinking, oh man, I need more socks now. Or I need more uh, whatever. Yeah. So in that way, when you actually forego something, it actually gives you mental energy and mental power to then not worry about the next thing. Yeah. It kind of frees up. It's like a computer, like RAM on a computer. It frees up that space for something else. Um, and it's also character forming because like you said, if you feel the freedom to let the 10 razors go, then you're going to be less uh, inclined to be worried about the fact that you only have one pair of socks, you know, and, and stuff like that. And it just feels so clean to, you know, arrive last night at, in, at my friend's apartment and I don't have to, I do have one razor and I do have one toothbrush. Now, am I assuming that even in COVID I can borrow my friend's toothpaste um, or other toiletries. Yeah. You know, like I didn't floss my teeth last night because I couldn't find my friend's floss, you know, and I didn't bring floss. Cause that was like, you know, beyond, <laughs> beyond what I wanted to carry in my, in my paper bag on the way to Denver. Right. Um, my, 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 um, but I'll, you know, I try to floss every night. I'll try to figure out that situation, but there is a risk you're going to have to do without. And, um, it kind of chafes against any, um, you know, perfectionism that you may bring to the table that everything needs to follow the exact same routine every day. But for some reason, it feels really freeing to me. Yeah. And I, I gotta, I'll keep you posted because I'm kind of in the early stages of this level of minimalism where I really don't have any possessions or even a house right now to fall back on. I don't want to say I'm homeless because that, that, that might scare you off, but it's uh, I'm in the early stages, so I'll keep, definitely keep you posted. No, and thank you, and and Sam, thank you for your incredible candor here, because yeah. you know I, I think sometimes we have this image of like the um, the hikers that go backpacking and travel Europe, and it's nothing but yeah. funny photos and smiles. But yeah. thank you for actually being on the show today and and giving a really genuine account of what this is because it's not all rosy and and living off the uh living off the land so to speak there are there is anxiety and there are things that you have to kind of mentally calculate um sam thank you so much so much for being on the show today you're so welcome thank you for having me this concludes the 59th episode of the truth island podcast i'm aaron azrod